0: hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of The Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 707, and today I'm excited because we're gonna get some insider information about e-commerce, and really, this is a State of the Merchant Report 2019, and it was put together by a good friend of mine, Andrew Udarian, you may or may not know who he is, but he runs a very, very successful e-commerce forum for seven- and eight-figure sellers, and that's e-commerce fuel, and he does this report every single year. He has been for the past three or four years, and what's really cool about it is is he's asking these questions to seven- and eight-figure sellers and getting a lot of facts, okay from i believe it was over 400 businesses but uh we'll actually discuss that in this interview but it's really awesome to kind of hear like what are the best sales channels? What's the best traffic channels that these that these sellers are experiencing? How much of their business is coming from Amazon? Uh, you know how are ads performing and what types of ads are performing? So all of these all of these details are packed into this report. So I'm going to give you a link to that report, but also we're going to dive into some of the highlights of this report inside of this episode. And it's always good hanging out with Andrew. Andrew's also been uh, a huge help in. Uh, uh, and, and really allowing us to kind of look behind the curtain of of an event that he puts on as well for his community, and uh, you know you guys know that we're doing an event coming up called Brand Accelerator Live, and uh, I've really leaned on him. In, uh, in so many ways just by asking questions because it's my first time doing a live event. And I wanted to make sure that I'm you know, going to set this thing up for success or at least the best chance for people to succeed and really win uh, from going to an event. And uh, he's just been really, really awesome with that. So again, I throw a little shameless plug out there. If you guys have not checked out Brand Accelerator Live or grab your tickets yet, depending on when you're listening to this, you can head over to BrandAcceleratorLive.com and grab a ticket or at least get the information about the event, and then uh, if there isn't tickets available at this current time, you can get on a wait list, but if you go there and there's tickets available, grab one. It's going to be awesome, and it's going to be epic. All right, so guys, I'm going to just go ahead and lead into the conversation that I had with Andrew it was really awesome to just really get into the nitty gritty of uh, you know what's going on behind the scenes with these these, uh, over 350 sellers. So really excited for you guys to hear this and listen and just understand too what we're talking about here is like, what's the future? What's the future of your business? What's the future of other e-commerce businesses and what are they doing to drive revenue, drive sales, drive traffic and all of that stuff. So just really take notes and then also go over to the link that we give you. So you can check out this report that Andrew put together. It's really, really extensive and it's really graphical. So you can kind of see a lot of these graphs and charts and all that fun stuff. So anyway, I'm going to stop talking so you can enjoy this interview that I do with my good friend, Mr. Andrew Udarian. Well, hey, Andrew, what's up, man? Welcome back to the podcast. What's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks,
1: Scott. Good to good to be back here. And uh, yeah, things are great. And uh, before we started recording, we were talking about your your event, which is coming up, which, uh, sounds pretty awesome. You got a good lineup of speakers for yeah, that. Right?
0: It's, it's exciting, man. Like, yeah, it's, you and I were talking a little bit about your first ever event and, uh, you know, the, you know, the, <laughs> the stress that comes along with it in a good way. And, yeah. uh, and, and the reason why you're doing it all is to really help people and really build that community side of things. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting and also scary and, you know, all of that wrapped up into one, but I'm really excited about it.
1: Yeah. It looks super cool. And the focus is all about kind of building a a lasting brand uh, as opposed to just like one-off products on Amazon. Yeah. Brand
0: Accelerator Live. It's, uh, you know, basically that's exactly what we wanted to do here. And it's funny. I was at Seller's Summit, um, which, you know, you know, Steve Chu, his event, you know, we're good. We're all good friends. And, and uh, I had a guy come up to me and he said, uh, Hey, he goes, you know, this is a great you know event i love it i i want to attend other events i want to attend other amazon events too and i'm like well how many other amazon events have you went to and he's like well i went to this one i went to that one and i'm like okay i go why don't you switch it up a little bit why don't you go to more like a digital marketing event and this way here you can take those principles and apply it to an e-commerce business and you're probably going to stand out amongst everyone else because not everyone else is doing that people on amazon that's all they're doing is focusing on that one channel and he's like that's a great idea which one would i go to and i'm like well you know and i i gave him a couple um and actually one of them was like traffic and conversion which is a big one um and then there yeah. is um the other one was um i forget the name of it it's by convert um something craft
1: Oh, it's craft and commerce. And I haven't
0: been to that one, but it's a really good one for really building your audience, building your list, communicating, follow up, all that good stuff, blog content. And, uh, and he was like, Oh, thanks so much. And then I got thinking, I'm like, if I was ever to do an event, it would be focusing more around those, you know, those core things. And, uh, And that's kind of what we did. So yeah, that's Brand Accelerator Live was about taking your business and creating a brand out of it in your market, and and really being able to accelerate that growth and externally and all of that stuff. So yeah, man, that's uh, that's what we're doing. We got some really great great speakers, and I I invited you, but you were already booked. So maybe next time. Yeah, thank you for
1: the invite. I wish I I wish I was able to make it. So it's going to be a good time, and it's fun geeking out, I mean, from the event perspective, just logistics, what having be your first event diving in, uh, what's the thing that has either surprised you the most about the process or You've been like, man, this part was way more work or way harder than I thought, or maybe way easier than you thought it'd be. Like what's one of the most surprising part of the, the planning process behind the scenes? Cause there's a ton <laughs> that goes into these. Well, I
0: think that's it, right? There's a ton of that goes into it, right? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, we uh, you know, when we dreamt up this idea, I had an idea of what I wanted it to, to be like. But I think really, uh, just I wasn't I didn't realize how much on the hook you are. Once you sign your name on the dotted line, like people think that, oh, you just show up to an event, you know, the hotel lets you use it and you pay per use kind of thing. No, you commit (laughs) up front in ink, um, what the venue is going to charge you, how many rooms you're going to fill. So there's a lot of that that goes into it. And you and I know, and we both talked about this and I've talked about it publicly. It's not a huge moneymaker. If you break even on your first event, you're doing well, Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that was a a little bit of a I don't know if it was a surprise I guess it was just a wake up that I was like holy crap that's right like all of this stuff this is on, like this is on the line this isn't like doing a webinar and you only get like a hundred people to show up versus a thousand. Like, you've got like commitments here and, uh, and videographers and all of this, all of this, you know, coordinating everything and planning and making sure that everything flows. Like, we had a two day meeting in Fort Worth, Texas, just going through the choreography of it. Like, how does everything, how does all the timing go? How many minutes in between? What kind of music is going to be played? What kind of atmosphere do we want to create? Like, all of that stuff. So, I guess I didn't really see that side of it. That was a little bit of a surprise.
1: Yeah, it's the the ultimate collection of like a million details yeah. you have to wrangle. Uh yeah, it's 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 a hairy it's a hairy beast. So um yeah, well done on on diving in and, and uh putting as strong event together for your first time as you Yeah, yeah, no, I
0: appreciate it, man. And I appreciate you for helping me along the way too, and allowing me to kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit. And you kind of giving me the, uh, you know, the things to look out for and just things to expect. And the same thing with Steve Chu, he's been great as well. So, all right, let's, let's dive in. This is more about what I want to share that you created, which is amazing and I want you to give a link to this where people can actually go through it themselves but you create a report every single year and you have been now for how long? How long has it been since you've been creating this, re- this report?
1: Uh, this is the third, third year, year I've okay. done it.
0: And yeah. that report really dives deep into the overall like market or I guess you know, the people out there that are building online businesses, primarily e-commerce and all of these different statistics. And I believe that I believe the way that you get the information is you, you do surveys within your community and then you ask these certain questions and then you kind of compile it and put them into these really nice graphs. And, uh, so I want to dig into that, but where did you get the idea to do this and why do all of this work? Cause it's a lot of work to do what you're doing here too. It is. I, I got the idea of, because I, I didn't see
1: a, a real comprehensive report on kind of the state of, of e-commerce, mm. uh, especially for like sub, you know, $10 million stores and mm. brands. And I was curious, I was, I was wondering, you know, uh, what was going on at a high level, if you kind of look at the aggregate of everyone. And so, that's why I, I decided to do it. Uh, and then also, you know, cause it's a great, uh, hopefully it's a great marketing piece. Hopefully it's useful mm-hmm. to people, but, but hopefully it's also a great marketing piece uh, in terms of getting, um, you know, visibility for, for e-commerce fuel and in terms of helping people be able to, um, benchmark their own companies against, you know, what's going on. It's, it's so many times, I don't know if you've had that, like if you have a rough month, and you're like, man, like, is it just me, or is like, is my business something systemically wrong in my business, or is it just the economy going down? And and having some some numbers across you know, revenue growth, ad costs, all these different things that store owners can look at and say, wow, okay, yeah, it's not just me cost, like Facebook's getting way more expensive or wow, it's not just me. Like, you know, uh, you know, growth is, 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 is slowing or accelerating, whatever it is, I think can be really helpful.
0: No, it it is. It's very, very detailed. Um, well done. And, uh, I mean, I can't even imagine just the graphics that were created for this. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Um, but it's also pretty eye-opening in, in certain areas. There's a few of them that I do want to dive into, but uh, let's kind of walk through it. So, where where is like the biggest thing for you think people to to kind of draw into that you thought was like pretty interesting when you started putting this together?
1: Yeah, in terms of like the biggest trend that I saw. That yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say so. I'll preface this just to give you a, a quick little sense of who this is, is 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 pulling from. The average store owner is doing about just shy of three million dollars in revenue. It's about 400 store owners. Mostly U.S. based, like three quarters U.S. based, but with a you know a spattering of international folks as well. Um, so that being said, probably the biggest trend, and there's probably two or three if we want to dive into them, uh, but the biggest trend I saw is something that I would call kind of not peak Amazon, but plateauing Amazon. And so, mm. uh, if you look at like like you said, this is our third year that uh, that we've done it, and so we can start to see some trends. And if you look at the a lot of different metrics. It seems like the number of people that are flocking to Amazon is, is, is really slowing down, almost even stopping. It's not, it's not shrinking. People aren't leaving Amazon yet, but, mm. but that growth is, is, is almost flat. And so if a couple couple stats to that point. You look at the number of merchants selling on Amazon. Just do I sell on Amazon or don't I? Two years mm. ago, it was 49%. Last year, it was 55%. So a, you know, a, a reasonable jump up. This year, it barely budged to 55.8. Same thing, mm. total group sales from Amazon was a couple of years ago, 20% of all the revenue that these store owners reported came from Amazon. So uh, last year, that jumped up enormously up to 27%. This year, it barely budged to 28%. And even growth, if you look at the growth of stores that sell on Amazon versus that don 't sell on Amazon this was the first year that stores that don't sell on Amazon actually grew faster, albeit a tiny bit but grew faster than those that sell on Amazon. so all these things you know one, one of those in you know, a vacuum would kind of make you think, but mm-hmm. you look at them together and and also from the rhetoric and just anecdotally from stories I hear from people in our community uh, that people are just getting much more careful about how they approach their their business and Amazon and 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 any all those things coming together. That's the biggest trend that I saw on the Amazon front this year.
0: Mm, Yeah, no, that's it, it is interesting. And I'm looking at the uh the the portion there that says revenue keeps growing strong and revenue 35.9% average growth. And I'm just looking at the different models as well. Like you have them all broken down like drop shipping, reselling, hybrid, private label manufacturing. And it's interesting, uh, because I'm looking at private labeling and it looks like that has decreased. So, cause we're so on the left-hand side, revenue growth by model and then income growth by model. So what, what's that breakdown mean? I guess, I guess represent that for me.
1: Yeah. So that's just talking about at the different business models. Uh, what kind of product you saw you reselling, you drop shipping, you manufacturing, uh, who, when you look at how quickly are those different business models growing their top line revenue versus their income growth? And so it just gives a sense of. um, Oh, I got you. If that makes sense. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And and I thought that was just interesting. And it's really cool, guys. If you if you guys have uh, not looked at this, I'm going to link it up in the show notes. But then uh, Andrew can give you a direct link. Is there a direct easy link for people to get to that? Like right now? Is it um, there is? Yeah,
1: ecommercefield.com forward slash 2019 dash report. And that will take you to it.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I would definitely go check that out. I think it's really, really cool. Um, it's just fascinating going through all of these different numbers. Um, the other one I thought was interesting was the number one source of traffic. Yeah,
1: this was interesting too. I mean, you think... So, so what the question I asked store owners was, you know, what's your when you look at your traffic, where do you get the most traffic from? So this doesn't mean necessarily you get 50% plus of your traffic from it, but when you look at your largest traffic source, what is that? And mm-hmm. the answer, but you know, almost half of people said that they're still their number one traffic source is still organic, which I thought was cool because, you know, it's so many times, especially today, in 2019, um, People are spending a lot more on paid acquisition. SEO has gotten a lot harder, more competitive, and obviously, it definitely has gotten more competitive. But it's nice to see that that people are still able to get the majority of you know the, at least their their most popular traffic source still comes from free organic traffic, which you know is is uh, increasingly you know it seems at least like it's uh, it's getting harder and harder to come by these days.
0: Yeah, and so what would you say, like? Those store owners are they are they publishing content to get that free traffic? Uh, what is their what is their I guess. What is your vehicle to allow them to get that free traffic?
1: Yeah, good question. I didn't break that out. I should have, uh, maybe that's something I can, I can ask a little more detail on next year. I would guess if I had to, to speculate, probably 80% of that is coming, 80% plus is coming from Google, uh, from just, you know, organic search results. And then the rest of it is probably coming from places like, uh, you know, Instagram, organic traffic that way, social media, and some other, a few other platforms.
0: Okay, I got you. Yeah, because that would be interesting. Because, I mean, a lot of people are building out content, you know, sites that can bring in the traffic and then from there lead over to your store. Um, There's one that comes to mind. I don't know if you've probably heard of these guys. It's, uh, I think it's uh, Mystery Tackle Box for the bass fishing kind of market or just fishing market in general. They have like a subscription model for uh, fishing gear. So every month you get a new box with new lures and it's a pretty cool, cool model, but they are really, really uh, pushing content, free content, tips and tricks. And they're also using third party. So they're using a lot of their, a lot of their customers to share their number one tips and how they're catching the bass. And then they lead people over and then, well, while you're there, you might sign up for their subscription service. You
1: know. Very cool. I'm looking at these guys right now.
0: I, uh, this is a, a brilliant idea. <laughs> I oh, never, it's yeah, I'd never even heard of them, but this is cool. Yeah. It's a beautiful, I mean, they're crushing it, crushing it. Uh, and again, I mean, they have a business that's subscription based, so they can pay to acquire that customer a lot more than if you're just selling like a one off a, you know, a, a few different products, they can spend more to acquire that customer and then keep those customers. But yeah, they have a great business model. I always tell people, if you want to see a good business model, go check them out. Uh, cause they are, they're doing a really good job to promote themselves through uh, free content um, uh, and even Facebook ads. I mean, they can run Facebook ads and give away a month free to get your first, you know, your f- first box of tackle. And then hopefully they can win you over with some, uh, you know, with some, some more, you know, different, uh, products or even just content.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Oh, another kind of tying into this thinking about like building businesses today in in light of some of these trends, um, you know, a company like this, where you have subscription, you have people coming back over and over and over again, you can afford to to spend more on them because they're going to keep coming back to you. Like that's increasingly important, I think, for businesses you build because ad costs. Another thing that, that I looked at in this report mm. was like, I mean, it's no surprise to anyone that ad costs are going up across the board. And like for the second year, they went up by about 15%. Last year was 15 up, this year was 15 up. Um, but you look at the increase in in ad costs, like which platforms are most expensive and mm. Facebook increased the most this year almost 20% it gave the lowest return on ad spend at 3.4x Google actually gave the highest return on ad spend at over 5 and increased the slowest costs on a cost basis at 10% so it's it's interesting to see who's like you know where you where the the media buying costs are getting the most expensive and the, ad, the traffic costs. But uh, yeah, I mean, as this, I don't think this is going to stop. It's going to keep going as long as you've got you know, so many you know, three or four companies controlling so much of the traffic. And you can, you can get a model like these guys over at Mystery Tackle have, uh, where it's not just one and done. It's going to help you stick around way longer in this kind of more increasingly expensive uh, traffic world we live in.
0: Yeah, no. And I love that report that you have there um, where you have the breakdown of the most popular marketing channels. And email marketing is number one here.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting. I I broke it down. There's kind of two things I wanted to look at in this. I wanted to look at what was most popular. So popularity is just what people adoption, right? Like what people are using. It's not necessarily effective. So I want to see what's most popular. And then I wanted to dive a little deeper and say, but what's most effective, like Mm. relative. And so kind of the basis is that is of the number of people that actually are using a given strategy, how many report it's actually the most effective. So maybe only five people. In the whole survey are are potentially you know, using Pinterest. But if all five of them say this is hands down my most effective platform, that's you know, that's something we need to pay attention to. And so if you look at the most popular ones, email marketing is number one, Facebook ads are number two. AdWords, number three, SEO is fourth, and Instagram is fifth. Those are most popular, Mm. most widely used. But if you look at the most effective marketing channels, the number one was Amazon ads, Mm. uh, which, you know, was was not crazy surprising, but interesting to see because they weren't even top five and most popular, but they were hands down the most effective. Email marketing was second most effective from an ROI basis. SEO was third. AdWords was fourth. And like a distant number five, not even close, a way distant number five was Facebook ads. So, uh, Mm. I know, I don't know about you. I know a lot of people who, uh, try to go out, spend a lot of money on Facebook ads and like anything, you gotta know what you're doing and, and spend the time to, to, to research it. But, uh, I think Facebook, ads. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there who are spending a lot of money that aren't getting the returns they want and they feel like they're alone. Yeah,
0: you're not alone.
1: Like there's a yeah. lot of people putting yeah. a lot of money into Facebook and they're not necessarily seeing the ROI that they hope for.
0: Yeah, there, there's two pieces there. Like, so, okay, Amazon ads shows that it's like a winner, but also you got to think about that, right? Like Amazon ads are running on their platform that people are they have buyer's right. intent, right? So yep. it's like email marketing, they're not. So even at email marketing coming in, they, they don't necessarily have a buyer's intent. They might, but Amazon, we know they're there to buy. Like if I'm going there right now, I'm gonna buy uh, a new part for my my leaf blower, right? I'm going there to buy that. If I see an ad that pops up, I might click on it and then that's gonna convert into an ad. So that, that doesn't really surprise me. Uh, now, um, the thing that does, um, it doesn't surprise me. Facebook ads, like you said, if you look at it like from, You've put up an ad, you ask them to purchase something, and then did they purchase something? But I like what Mike Jackness talked about, and that is top of funnel content, and then you build them in from that Facebook ad. So Facebook ad brings them in top funnel, and then you work them through the email marketing, and then on the other end is where you would convert them into a sale. But that's not really, a, I mean, this here is like direct sale, right? Facebook ad from like offer to a sale. Is that correct? Uh So say that again, Scott, I I didn't follow your question there. So like, okay, you have the top five most effective marketing channels. Yep. Facebook ads is really that, I guess that part of your report is where you ask people, are you running Facebook ads right now to directly make a sale? And they're saying, yeah, 14.8% of people said, you know, yes, that's what I'm doing. But really what's not being considered, which I would love to know that, is how many people are doing what Mike has talked about, which is getting using facebook ads to get people top of funnel meaning coming through your your ad channel okay or your your marketing channel mm-hmm. email marketing even like how much of that came in from a lead to a sale it's a little it. tricky, but you see what I'm saying? Like, that's a direct sale. What are we doing if we know what we're doing on the other end where we can bring people in top of funnel and then lead them through um, to potentially buy over and over and over again?
1: Yeah. And, and that's uh, that wasn't something I got as nuanced to ask. It wasn't necessarily asking, like, are you using Facebook for kind of you know, top of funnel to build an audience? Uh, or are you mm. trying to you know drive direct sales from Facebook? Because yeah, driving direct sales from a Facebook ad uh, with, you know, you got to interrupt somebody. Yeah. Get their interest and then convince them to buy. Like it's a much different process. And I think that's why Amazon ads are most uh, so much more effective is because A, it's natively integrated into their platform and B, it's, you know, it's, it's such a higher purchasing intent. Um, but yeah, mm. I, that's a good question. I'm not sure how many people are, are doing that. But I think the takeaway for this one for people is if, if you know, if you're selling on Amazon a lot and you're spending a lot of time on Facebook ads, but you haven't dialed in your Amazon ads, probably you're going to see a better return on your time, especially in the next month or two, if, if you get Amazon ads dialed in first and then move on to Facebook.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, agreed. 100%. Because <laughs> I mean, right there, we have buyers. And uh, if you're not capitalizing on that, you should be like that. That's like low hanging fruit, like you said. Uh, the other thing here that's interesting, and a lot of people don't want to talk about, but um, it's, you know, the collection of sales tax and FBA nexus and all of that stuff. So let's talk about that real quick. Oh
1: man, uh, sales tax is such a—it's uh, a beast. Nightmare. It's a nightmare right now in terms of what's, is. what's going on. You've got—you uh, know—you've got this this idea of economic sales tax that was uh, created from a recent Supreme Court ruling. You've got FBA mm-hmm. kind of nexus you got to deal with if you're an e-commerce seller. There's all these different things. And one of the things I asked uh, in the survey was, are you submitting sales tax? to all the states where you have, quote-unquote, FBA nexus inventory. So if mm. are you tracking where your FBA inventory is stored and then submitting sales tax accordingly, assuming that gives you nexus? And, and less than a quarter of people were actually doing that. So the vast mm. majority of people were either not collecting or declined to respond, which pretty much means I'm not collecting. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, so that is, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty telling. And it's. I think the next couple of years especially are going to be a pretty – interesting to see how aggressively states go after that. If we're able to solve what's right now a quag, you know, kind of a quagmire of a, a disaster of regulation. Uh, yeah, but most people are not, you know, most people are not compliant according to the kind of the overly burdensome, what I, in my opinion, regulations we have now.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, uh, it's one of those touchy topics, <laughs> you know, and I don't think anybody wants to give advice on that. Um, you know, because it is, it's, I mean, one person saying one thing, one person saying the other. I always tell people, uh, do your homework, do your research, speak to your, your, uh, you know, legal counsel and, uh, and you come up with the best solution for you. Um, but, uh, it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, and I've had a a few guests on that are experts in this and, you know, they've got their, their own ideas, but again, who do you trust? Who do you follow? Um, You got to do what's right for your business. The next one is Did tariffs impact your business? That was a big one this year. Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, it was huge. And I mean, there was a lot of talk about it. Sometimes you wonder, like, uh, tariffs came down. You wonder how much is just in the headlines versus how much is actually affecting people's bottom lines. And I was surprised 30 over a third of people, 36%, said that tariffs materially impacted their business in a negative way this year. 2% said it helped and then you know about 60 percent said there wasn't any effect but they had a you know they had a pretty meaningful impact on people's business and i saw and we saw this in in our private community for for sellers too that uh you know those chairs went into place and um you know those those you know, importing stuff got a lot more expensive and it made a real difference in a, in a, a lot of people's businesses this year which was a bummer
0: Hmm. Yeah, no. And it was a, I mean, everyone was freaking out about it. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I was always like, well, yeah, it could happen. And if it happens, then I mean, pretty much everyone across the board, which is majority of people that are sourcing from, from China are going to be affected. Uh, so I mean, it's, everyone's going to pay for it, right? Like, I mean, us as a consumer is going to pay for it. And we all seen it. I seen it. Um, not even just from people that are selling on Amazon, just, in your local store, you know, uh, if you're buying something that's been imported. So, um, but yeah, it is, it's still something that you want to think about. Cause I mean, instantly you could, you could see a huge, you know, uh, a huge drop in, uh, in what you could potentially, uh, be making because now you're paying more for that product. But, uh, it's one of those things, you know?
1: Yeah. And it's, you know, you think about the reality of it and it's probably a common, like who pays for it. It's, it's probably a combination of, you know, sellers margins get hit. Uh, mm. that's part of it. I would guess, uh, you know, prices go up a little bit. It's, it, I mean, I imagine most, you know, people across the whole chain pay for it, uh, in, in different percentages, but it's, yeah, I mean, it affects, it's, it's a bummer for, for people manufacturing overseas and importing. It's, it's not good at all.
0: Mm. Yeah. So, all right. So let's, let's talk a little bit about here. I'm, I'm kind of scrolling down to the bottom here a little bit where you have uh, struggles in future plans. And I think that's interesting because a lot of people would think, oh, well, you know, these store owners are doing almost, you know, some of them over 3 million a year, but you know, they got it all figured out. <laughs> so <laughs> let's Let's talk about that i mean i've I've been in similar shoes where you're like, "Oh, if I get to this, everything will be great, and then you get there, and you're like, "Oh, now there's these problems I didn't have before because I wasn't here yet um so let's can can we talk about them like the common struggles and and things like that Oh of
1: course, yeah, so we looked at three things common struggles, macro changes, and future plans people had and and starting with struggles, time management was was hands down the biggest one and you know, mm-hmm. even even when I, I chat with merchants just anecdotally, I feel like the biggest thing that they they struggle with is like I have so much I feel like I have to do, uh, trying to figure out how to prioritize it, how to have enough time to do it, how to delegate it. So time management is has always been, uh, I think first and foremost one of the biggest ones with entrepreneurs of any type, but you know e-commerce store owners included. Sales tax was was the second one in terms of common struggles uh, this year. It was just you know like we alluded to earlier, it's just yeah. a mess. Um, supply chain was number three. You know manufacturing stuff is hard, and then uh, the fourth one, which kind of ties into the biggest macro change scene was Amazon competition or just more competition Mm. across the board. And, and I think, you know, you look on, you look on Amazon and I saw a stat. Oh, what was it? You probably know this better than I do, Scott. The number of sellers on Amazon that are overseas, especially, particularly in China.
0: It was uh, over 40%, I think.
1: Yeah, that's, I was thinking 35, 40%, which is, you know, two, two, three years ago, this was not an issue. Or if it was an issue, it was a pretty minor one. In the last couple Mm. of years, it's just blown up from what I can see and, and from the data. So that was a big one. And, uh, on the macro change front, just more competition in general, especially on the Amazon again, sales tax. Uh, mm-hmm. uh and then you look at future plans. The biggest one that stood out was, and, and you probably have some good insight into this too, I'd imagine was, was people just planning on releasing new products, more products. I just saw this over and over again in, in people's replies in terms of just expanding their product catalog. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of what I was seeing across those three fronts.
0: Yeah, and I mean, to to kind of talk about the new products thing, like, I believe, yes, like all companies if you release new products, you have a better chance of increasing revenue and profits and all of that stuff, but it also complicates the business too. If you continue to continually add. And if you don't trim, cause there's some products that people are probably still hanging on to that might not be worth sourcing. You might be sitting on, you know, $500,000 in inventory, and it's going to take you two years to go through it or something. So I do, it's, it's kind of, it's a tricky situation. And because people don't want to trim a product because they're like, well, it still brings in some. Um, but if you really, if you know your numbers and you're like, it's only bringing in like 3% we're making on that. Is it worth it even to carry it for the money that we could invest in a new product? So I do believe new products is a great way to expand, but also can complicate things. So I think you just have to be careful with doing that. And I think another thing that people are, are always kind of playing around with the idea of, well, if I release new products, I'll just keep releasing new products then the competition can't stay, you know, can't keep up. But then the same breath, they're going to catch up to the last one you did. And then, you know, you're going to release another one. Then they're going to catch up to that one. So you're constantly in this, in this hamster wheel of just having to create new products to stay ahead. I don't personally like that. I'd rather come out with like a really solid product or products. And then from there, figure out how to get in front of more people, not just on that one channel. Yeah, makes sense. Totally,
1: totally makes sense. Agreed.
0: Yeah, and so you know that's the I think that's the biggest thing that I would say to anyone listening or anyone that's in that mindset is that you know yes, new products will add revenue. They will allow you to you know stay in front of the competition for a little while, but it's just going to be a matter of time. You know that uh, that they can come on unless you're going to go through the whole patent and, and and getting all that stuff done, which takes you know sometimes years. And then when you do, you have to enforce it right? Like you can have a patent, mm-hmm. but you still got to have a, the lawyers that are going to be there to enforce it. And then you got to pay for that. So a lot of times it's just easier to go do new products and stay ahead a little bit. And then hopefully you don't get stuck with a whole bunch of inventory. Yeah. How, how have you seen on the Amazon front, have you seen
1: the the lifespan of a product decrease, you know, in terms of the, the, the longevity, how long it can, it can kind of be on Amazon do well without an insane amount of competition. Have you seen kind of the, from when you introduce it to when you have to start thinking about, you know, Uh, not sunsetting it, but when it's, you know, the fruits really, really dry up or at least get get too much, you you don't see quite as much profit from it. Have you seen that kind of lifespan for a product decrease over on Amazon over the last, you know, 18 months?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, yes. And, and it's, you know, that's, what's getting me even more, uh, you know, focused on, on helping other people and even things that I'm working on, uh, personally is to where we can build out these external channels that we're not going to be relying on just, You know that competition that's coming in on Amazon. You know I I use this um, this one girl as as an example. She's actually going to be speaking at um, Brand Accelerator Live. Um, Her name is Alex Jimenez, and she basically started a blog about six years ago on travel. It's called she's called Travel Fashion Girl, and she built that thing up to where she's getting a million unique visitors per month now. Okay, over the course of six years, she's built it. She's put a lot of time and effort into it. It's a seven figure blog all on its own. But she just released three products that are in a very, very competitive space in travel. And um, she launched those because she seen that her affiliate report was showing that she was selling these three products. They were her top three products. So she said, I'm just going to create my own. And that's what she did. So now she's got all of this traffic that goes over there. She doesn't care about the competition. Um, so I'd rather go that angle. And again, that's a little bit extreme. Right? I'm not saying you're gonna go build a blog that's gonna get a million uniques, but you could build one that gets a couple hundred thousand, three hundred thousand uniques. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all traffic that you can control and that you can, you know, bring into the business versus always constantly trying to stay ahead of your competition on Amazon. So that's like my like my mission really moving forward is to figure that piece out and help people bridge that. And I know you've you've had in your report here too, like a hybrid model. I look at that as like a hybrid model. You can then tap into the digital side of things, meaning you can have affiliate stuff coming through because there's a lot of brands out there that aren't going to ever sell the bass fishing boat, the canoe or the kayak, but they're going to sell all the gear. So why wouldn't you make recommendations to sell that and use your affiliate link to sell that and possibly bring in extra revenue that you're not necessarily competing with other people on because you have the traffic?
1: Yeah, why that uh, that woman you just referenced, why does yeah. she, it sounds like she's sending, she's got her own products, her own traffic source. Yeah. Why send it to Amazon and pay their fees versus just send it to her own site and fulfill it that way? Is it just the fulfillment side? Like she doesn't have to w- want to worry about, she wants to leverage FBA or, or mm-hmm. okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a hundred percent. She doesn't want to deal with it. Number one, number two, uh, she wants to leverage that platform because she can drive more traffic than anybody. Right. So it's going to be hard to knock her off.
1: Oh, I right? see. In terms of the ranking algorithm and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Guy. Cause yeah, she, she
0: sent, I mean, she's got, she, if you, if you search for, um, travel packing cubes, um, you'll find her video, that's on YouTube that comes up in Google search. You'll see her like first or second result. She's all over the place. And then she has people linking to her. Um, she's, this is crazy. She has never did uh, basically any type of like giveaway for her product to rank, right? Like a lot of people are like, Oh, we're going to get on a deal site. We're going to offer 50% off or 90% off. We're going to spike the algorithm. And then hopefully we can keep that. She's never done that. What she did do is she did a Facebook live telling people she was going to launch these. And she wanted to do uh, basically a pre-sale, and she sold $17,000 of this product. So when it went live, she turned it on on Amazon and it spiked mm. the algorithm. So now she's ranking. But then also all these links that she's got throughout her site that drive people over to what used to be an affiliate link is now all driving to her products. Yeah. So she's never run pay-per-click, which is crazy to me. I'm like, oh, we should probably turn that on because you're probably get missing more sales. But then she's got to buy more inventory. So she's like, but then I got to figure out that piece. So she's like one thing at a time. So she's not in a hurry, but she's crushing it with because she has – she has the ability to do that. She actually gave me one other stat. She sold two hundred thousand dollars of a product. I'm not going to say what product is just because I haven't talked to her about it but she she sold two hundred thousand dollars in um in product okay as an affiliate okay, making like six percent whatever the the rate was for that category and she started thinking, should I sell this product but then shes she thought not to because she thought the manufacturing was going to be a huge struggle so she said. I might just partner with someone and let them do the logistical side of things and I'll just do this. So to answer your question, she uses Amazon. So this way here, she doesn't have to deal with all the headaches of fulfillment. And she's also driving people to a trusted source, right? When they see the the Amazon thing, they're like, oh yeah, Amazon. Cool. If I got to return it, I can. So there's that little bit of thing, but she could always position it back over to her blog if she ever wanted to.
1: Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes total sense.
0: Yeah. So she's crushing it. But that's what I'm excited about uh, in moving forward and I'm sure that anyone out there that is uh, you know especially your audience you know they obviously they have Google traffic so they understand the SEO game the Google uh, you know search and content play and all that stuff and I think if people really double down on that right now that's what's going to separate you from the competition because people are you know they're using a tool made by our friend you know Greg Mercer from jungle Scout and they're looking at the numbers which is a great tool for doing your research but to look at those numbers numbers and go, oh, that's selling 100 units per day. I should go sell that. Well, what you don't realize is that girl that's selling those packing cubes is driving all of her traffic to make those 100 sales. Those aren't necessarily a, a, a Amazon search necessarily. So you might be mistaken when you go ahead and launch that.
1: Yeah. The other thing too is, is, is there's someone I was chat with it was probably a year or two ago. And, and uh, they said when they were doing stuff, when they were looking at new products, if, if they had a product that was too high in some of the you know stuff like Jungle Scout, that's, that it just looked like a home run, they were yeah. really leery of, of getting into it because you're not the only person looking at that, right? Like there's exactly. lots of other people who are oh, yeah. thinking like, "Whoa, this looks great." And so it may not be immediate, but you've probably got a stampede of people coming probably six, seven months down the road uh, that you're going to have to compete with.
0: Yeah, yeah, and at that number, when you're going after products that are selling 100 units per day, guess how many units you got to sell a day to rank. 100 units a day, right? So it's going to be even harder to get that, you know, get that uh, wheel spin in there. So you you just got to be careful. But, uh, Hey, Andrew, this has been awesome, man. I, I love having you on. I love hanging out. I know we hung out for a five-minute pitch, and we got to, to chill and just hang out, but uh, really, it's just a pleasure, and I know that you got your hands in this a lot within your community, and you really get to see a variety of different businesses and uh, and just different e-commerce businesses, um, so it's always a pleasure to have you on. Is there any last little bits of uh, information or advice you'd give anyone after kind of reading this and kind of going through all of this data? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is um,
1: kind of tying it back to what we talked about at the beginning. Just, you know, Amazon's a super powerful platform. It's shaping e commerce. It's not going away anytime soon. But uh, increasingly, people are just becoming a little more aware of some of the downsides of selling on it from either uh, you know, the risk, concentrated risk in your business, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, there's some sales tax implications, sales tax implications um, the higher competition that you're going to have to work with or, or, you know, even stuff like you know, people knocking off your products, like it's, it's powerful, but it's, you know, there's real reasons to think about, you know, not putting all your eggs there. So, and the data is starting to to really show that out too, in terms of of people not flocking to it like they used to. So I just mm-hmm. say, you look at the data from Amazon, you look at the ad costs going up uh, One stat we didn't get into, uh, but it's interesting and telling is that drop shipping, the number of drop shipping companies that were part, you know, that, that reported this year, last year, I think dropshippers made up about 16% of all the respondents this year. They made up 8%. They got cut in half in one year. Um, You know, so you think about all these forces and I think just it's, you know, if if you, you know, you follow this stuff, you know this, but uh, building a brand and having something that you control the platform on is, is, is really important. and, And the numbers are showing that out. So that would be my kind of last parting thought on the data front. So.
0: Awesome. And okay. So once again, how can people get a hold of this report again? Uh, they can do that
1: ecommercefuel.com forward slash 2019 dash report. Uh, so you can go there, you can download it for free. I also make all the raw data available. So if you want to get in and really dig in and, and, or, you know, do your own crunching or, uh, you know, double check my work, uh, you can do <laughs> do that as well. And um, if you're a seven figure store owner, um, yeah, I would love to have you in our community. We run a community for seven figure plus store owners, and you can learn more about, uh, about that as well. Uh, uh, EcommerceFuel. as well as checking just on the blog, the report, or the podcast that I do. So
0: that's right, too. You got a podcast, so definitely go over to iTunes, check that out, or any of the major podcasting platforms. A Great, great podcast, and uh, you're you're weekly, right?
1: Uh, yep, weekly, and then sometimes two times a week uh, when I when I do a little news update every other week.
0: So got gotcha, you gotcha. all right man well hey i appreciate it and uh we're going to definitely get together at some point here and just hang out and uh talk business but we'll talk life too we uh we, we got a lot to talk about i know you've been bouncing around between arizona and and where else are you in denver is it denver uh, bozeman bozeman montana oh montana that's right yeah okay yeah so you're you're bouncing around too with the family which is always fun to to hear stories on how that's all working out but it sounds like you're really enjoying yourself so kudos to you, man.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Life's good. I I have very few things to complain about and, uh, you know, I'm going to do fun work with smart people and, uh, you know, chat with people like you and, uh, you know, be able to work in this amazing world we live in where you can work from anywhere. It's a pretty, pretty cool time to be alive.
0: It it really is. So, all right, man, have a good one. I appreciate it. And guys go check it out, go check out the report. I'll link everything up in the show notes as well. But, uh, thanks again, Andrew. I truly, truly appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks so much. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Well, there you have it. I wasn't kidding, right? A lot of great information, and let me just tell you something. It's a lot of work to put that thing together. Uh, he was telling me it takes weeks to put that thing together, and uh, and then compile all of the information. It's just, it's a lot of work, but. He does it for his community. He does it for people like us, and of course, he's getting attention over to his, uh, you know, his forum and uh, for people to apply. If you're at a level of a seven or an eight figure seller and you want to be part of those forums, you can uh, you can apply over there at ecommercefuel.com. So definitely check out Andrew, great guy. I've had the pleasure of uh, you know breaking bread with him, having a, a beer and just uh, and hanging out and just uh, you know being a regular person, not just the business side of things. And he's just a really really great. Guy, uh, so uh, really happy that uh, I was able to meet him over the years, but also now bring him to the amazing seller, uh, you know, listenership, and uh, hopefully you guys are getting value from that report, or you do get value from that report. I really think that you will. It's an eye, it's an eye-opening report, really, to kind of look and see like actual numbers and facts from from real businesses. So, anyway, if you want the show notes to this episode and you want to get all the links that we talked about, head over to theAmazingSeller.com forward slash 707. Definitely head over to ecommercefuel.com. Check out Andrew and what he has to offer over there. And then the last little reminder is Brand Accelerator Live. If you've not grabbed your ticket yet, head over to brandacceleratorlive.com and check out all the details. Grab your ticket if they're still available. If they're not available, get on the wait list just in case we have any openings or last minute cancellations. All right, guys, so that's it. That's going to wrap it up. As always, remember, I'm here for you. I believe you and i am rooting for you but you have to you have to come on say it with me say it loud say it proud take action have an awesome amazing day i'll see you right back here on the next episode